Hello and welcome to episode 26 of the 1/160th of a second photography podcast. Today's episode is called RX100, a revolutionary series of cameras. I do like compact cameras and I have had a few. I have the first iteration of the Sony RX100. When it came out, it was the Sony RX100, but it's subsequently referred to as the Mark I. And it's an interesting camera in many respects. The camera is now in its sixth version, the Mark VI, which isn't out at the time of recording, but will be out at the end of the recording month. So it will be out at the end of July 2018. In this episode, I'm going to talk about why the RX100 is a revolutionary series of cameras. But before I do, I'm going to talk about the RX100 Mark I, simply because I have it and I can give some details about it. The RX100 Mark I fits in your hand, which is great. And it has raw shooting abilities, 20.2 megapixel one inch sensor, can shoot at 10 frames per second, has full manual modes, has aperture, shutter, program and memory recall modes, has two auto modes, has 28 to 100 millimeter focal range in 35 millimeter terms, and the minimum aperture values start at 1.8 at the wide end and 4.9 at the telephoto end. It has a pop-up bounce flash and it has manual focusing capabilities with focus peaking. It can capture video at 50 frames per second full HD. It has metal construction and a real premium feel. It can do USB charging in camera and all of that in a compact camera that fits in the palm of your hand. And I must say, the images are very good as well. And the camera came out in 2012. So it does have some bad points. And the bad points are the manual focusing isn't great. It doesn't have a hot shoe. The screen is fixed and you can't tilt it. And it has the AVC HD codec for video, which in my opinion is a bit of a pain to use. That in itself is remarkable, but what is really interesting to me is how the series has developed. So this is not a wonder camera because no camera is a wonder camera. No camera can be a master of all trades. Cameras are geared towards specific scenarios. So one camera may be brilliant at sports photography, while another might be really geared towards video use while another might be suited towards travel photography. But there is no one camera that does it all, I'm afraid. There are cameras that are better than some at doing more than one function, but generally there is no camera, and there probably never will be, that does everything great. So there are gonna be some compromises. The RX100 will not be a DSLR for low light capabilities and shallow depth of field or for zoom range, but its small size and versatility make it excellent for a camera that you'll always have on you. So today you can still buy the original Mark I, but as I said, the series is going strong. And coming up, we're gonna look at how the series has evolved. So let's look at how the RX100 series has evolved. I fully disclose that to supplement the following part of the podcast, I've used facts from Wikipedia. And it was a very good Wikipedia page on the Sony RX100 series. So a year after the Mark I came out, Sony launches the Mark II RX100. The Mark II has the same sensor in terms of physical size and megapixel count, but it's now back illuminated. Back illuminated sensors apparently are better in low light. But what does this mean in reality? Well, the DxO score for the Mark II sensor is one point higher than, than the DxO score for the Mark I sensor. So not a great deal of difference. The low light level score goes from 390 on the Mark I to 483 on the Mark II. The biggest notable change is that the screen is now tilted on the Mark II, Wi-Fi has been added, and there's a hot shoe. Everything else remains the same. 
same lens, same processor, same video facilities. This is probably a great time to point out that over the six versions, Sony is making small changes to the RX100. It's not making big leaps and bounds, although in some iterations it does, but it's making small iterative changes. It, Sony clearly has a vision with this camera series. A year later, the Mark III comes out. Now this has the same sensor as the Mark II, but it now has a different lens. The lens has a shorter zoom range and it's moved to a 24 to 70 from a 28 to 100. But now the maximum aperture is f2.8 at the telephoto end. So again, I've talked about compromise and trade-off, but I think most people would really see that as an improvement over the Mark I and the Mark II in terms of lens. In terms of the DxO score, the Mark III's numbers effectively are the same as the Mark II. The video codec is improved, so you can now record in AVC, HD and MP4 as you could in the other two versions, but now the Mark III has XAVC-S, which I find to be a much more versatile and better codec than AVC HD. The screen is more tiltable, but the big difference is that Sony has added an EVF and a three-stop ND filter to go along with the wide aperture. The Mark IV was released a year later with a new sensor. This time the sensor is stacked. Video is in 4K and has slow-mo shooting. Auto ISO feature, which I think is a really useful feature, is added. And IAF is first seen. Maximum continuous shooting goes from 10 frames per second to 16. And the maximum shutter speed goes from 1 over 2,000 to 1 over 32,000th of a second. And the DxO score goes up slightly from 67 to 70. So it looks like going from the Mark III to the Mark IV, Sony has added an awful lot more functionality and usefulness to the camera. The Mark V is released a year later, and the only real difference between the Mark IV and the Mark V is the autofocus. This has gone from 25 contrast AF points, and that was constant for the Mark I and the Mark IV. They all had 25 contrast AF points. The Mark V has 315 phase detection AF points. The sensor is unchanged, as is the DxO score. And at the end of July 2018, the Mark VI is going to come out. And this has a slightly higher frame rate for slow motion. Really, the headline change is the new zoom range. This has been increased from 24 to 200 millimeters, effective in 35 millimeter terms. There are some sacrifices that need to be made to accommodate a bigger zoom range. And those are, there's no ND filter, and the aperture goes from 2.8 at the wide end to 4.5 at the telephoto end. So each version of the camera has had small iterative improvements, as I said before. And along with the fact that Sony's been putting out these cameras yearly and had the majority of the series of cameras on sale at the same time is really what I think is remarkable. The rate of change, putting one out every year and continuing to sell the older versions is, is the revolutionary thing. These cameras are expensive though. The Mark VI is going to cost £1,000 on launch, but it will certainly be good for sports work and it will certainly cover all of the bases for family photography. It is a very expensive camera. It is a very premium camera. You could get the Mark VI and cover a lot of shooting scenarios. Whether it's worth the money is, is really up to you. Apart from the Mark I, I'm only looking at things on paper. So Mark II to six of the camera, I'm getting all the details on paper. I'm not, I've only used the Mark I. I've not used any other versions of it. I do really like the Mark I. It is the camera that I grabbed to take out with me because it is so versatile. When I decided to buy the Mark I, there were... I think at the time of buying the Mark I, I could have bought up to the Mark V, but I decided to go with the Mark I because the Mark I 
had enough of what I needed. It was a camera that I was occasionally going to use. It was a camera that wasn't going to replace my DSLR. That meant I didn't need a tilting screen and other things like that. I just needed the very basic version of it. I didn't think the difference in functionality between the first iteration and the most modern iteration was worth the difference in money, so I didn't buy it. So here are my final thoughts on the series. They are good cameras, but they are expensive. But as Sony sells many of the series at the same time, you can pick up a model which suits your price point. If you're looking at an RX100, it's probably due to its size. You know, like me, it's never going to replace your DSLR. It's going to be a second camera. That might be a second video camera, or a second camera to take out with you, or a travel camera. And because it's a second camera, that was why I went for the Mark 1 over the other versions. I knew I wouldn't be using that camera as my full-time camera, so I didn't need the most advanced version of it, and therefore I went for the cheaper version. Essentially, I wanted to purchase a travel camera and not another DSLR. For the Mark 1, I can get images in RAW, and those images are excellent, and the video is fine. Again, remember, this is not a master of all trades camera. None of the models have a mic jack. So while the features are very good in the later versions for video, and better than an awful lot of cameras for video, there's no mic jack, so it doesn't really feel like a videographer's camera either. So let me know what you think of the Sony RX100 series. Do you have a camera? Are you looking forward to the Mark VI? What do you think? One day I hope to review the Mark VI, but that requires me getting access to it. And please leave a review on iTunes. That's really going to help promote the show and allow more people to access the show. Thank you. Goodbye.